Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Misused Bible verses of all time. There's verses all the time that are misused. We hear verses that come off and flip off of people's tongues so easy and so quickly. But one of the most misused verses of all times. Judge not lest ye be judged. Now I like the King James Version because it sounds a little more threatening. Right? Because <laughs> there's lests and ye's and all these things in there. Judge not lest ye be judged. You hear it in movies, you see it on cartoons. We see this verse plastered everywhere. In fact, it doesn't matter what your faith walk is and what you believe. Judge not lest ye be judged is like said everywhere. You've probably heard it said to you, but let me go for some of my old school flavor here. Because it's not just the King James Version that we hear. We hear the other versions. My man, you see in, in the culture of my culture, only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. And you see it tattooed across people's chests and down each other's arms. You see Tupac made a song called Only God Can Judge Me. There's this idea and this concept that's running through culture that only God has the right to judge you, which is true, kind of. Because it is a true statement that only God judges. But what we've really done with this verse is we've taken this to a place to say, you have no right to speak into my life. And it becomes a shield, and it becomes a block to say, doesn't the Bible say that you can't judge people? But at the same time, you're telling me what I can and can't do. And so again, it's correct, kinda. And whenever you get into it's correct, kinda, it gets really dangerous quickly, especially when it comes to the Bible. Because it's correct, kinda, has been used to manipulate, it's been used to hurt, it's been used to hold people back, because they use the Bible as a weapon. And now this verse, one of the most misused Bible verses of all time, is now used as a shield to say, you have no right to speak into my life. You can see where there'd be a contrast there, how that could be a problem. Because when you talk about, judge not lest ye be judged, you start thinking about the idea of, no one has the right to speak into me. You now have the free reign to do whatever you think is good. And now we're continuing our Sermon on the Mount. If you are just joining into us and this is your first time, the Sermon on the Mount is a fantastic teaching from Jesus where he's taking all of these major principles and he's flipping them upside down. He flips them upside down because the idea of the people at the time as they're thinking and processing through what it means to actually live in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is reversed from the kingdom that we see. And so Jesus is continuing in this punch Punch, punch. Every time he speaks, it's like a punch to the gut because it's going in the opposite direction that we feel comfortable. And so now he talks about this idea of judging. But when we go through this verse, you're going to probably be surprised in what Jesus has really said. He's not saying that we can't speak into each other's lives. It doesn't make sense in context of what Jesus has taught. But there's something to this that's bigger than all that. I'm just grabbing another wind thing. The idea that's a little bigger than all that is that there are so many sitting here right now 
who've been judged by Christians. They've been in church environments, and I understand, and I hear your church pain, where people said, I love Jesus, and there's real relationships there, and the judgment aspect of it came to say not to help walk with you through something, but instead there's church pain there that is left by someone looking at you and speaking down at you, saying that you're not worthy, you're not good enough, getting this idea and this concept, and they spoke to you in a way that belittled you and broke you. Perhaps when people start to think about this verse, and perhaps you right there, you start to feel a little guilty about your life. Your life, the choices that you've made, you have to create a barrier around because of guilt and shame. And so though you have a life of bad choices, maybe you're in a bad choice right now, this is, becomes a defense for you today. I don't want anybody to speak into my life. So when we enter into this passage, no matter where your background has been, I want you to look through it through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus is teaching us this because he loves us and he's better. That Jesus, as he's teaching this, is not trying to create a system and process in which a group of people speak down to a group of people. Instead, he's creating a statement in which we as believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ bring life and love into the world. That we actually get to help bring God's kingdom to earth through us helping others. So we're going to dig into Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It's on your sheets for those who are here. Um, if you have Bibles, Bible apps, those who are home, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Apologize for the sound with the wind, but we couldn't afford a windscreen. So Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. It says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So you can see right away why this verse has the tendency to say, you have no right to say anything to me because you've got issues in your life. It's right, it's true, kinda. That true, kinda, is where we have to always go back to the context of what Jesus is saying. Because when we look at it from the concept of, this is a defensive mark in which no one can speak against me, that doesn't make sense in what Jesus has been teaching this whole time on the Sermon on the Mount. And we sit here, we start to say, if I start to live my life in a way that I feel is correct, with my own truth, the way that I want to do it, you don't have the ability to speak into that truth. In today's culture, which we all are very aware of, but in today's culture, this slippery slope of relativism, Everything is true to me. I choose what is true. What is true to me is true. What is true to you is true. Now, we really have no basis of what is truth because truth is always sliding on a scale to what I feel it is. If I feel something is true and you don't, then we have a conversation. There can be no actual truth to talk about. But when we look at what Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he is giving us truth. This is the standard in which we speak. This is the standard in which we live. And so he is right here speaking. And what he is speaking about is us living our lives in the context of actually loving each other very well. But let's go back to know what is going forward. 
Jesus loves us so much that it costs everything for us to be forgiven of sins. It doesn't make sense that he would give a mandate that allows people to live outside of God's truth and in sin because he died for it. So it wouldn't make sense. But what would make sense if we start to process this together is that there's something going on within the culture that he's speaking against. Jesus set this high moral standard here in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, and he teaches this. Jesus is sitting in a group of people teaching on this mountainside to his disciples. And at the time, Pharisees were there. Pharisees were the religious teachers of the time. And the Pharisees who were there during the time. The Pharisees were teachers who would give all these extra laws, and they were extremely religious. The Pharisees of the time were so religious that they would say and call out everybody in groups of what they can and can't do. These religious men were pious. They were leaders. They were arrogant, but yet at the same time, they had great amounts of power. And Jesus teaches over and over again his teachings that these Pharisees were clean on the outside, but dirty on the inside. They act religious, but at the same time, they were doing whatever they wanted on the inside. You'd have to think when Jesus is teaching this message that if a Pharisee was in the group, he's looking directly at him. So if I'm staring at you right now, don't feel weird because I don't think that about you. But let's say he's on this mountainside, it's a big group of people. And Jesus sits there and he says, judge not. Unless you want to be judged by the same measure you're putting up people to. Now, if a Pharisee wasn't in the group, all these people have heard the teachings of them. So the teachings of these people and these religious laws, there can be arguments and disagreements and like, you aren't as faithful as I am. You aren't as religious as I am. But at the same time, they're living a life that's garbage. It's just the outside piece of it. And so Jesus is calling out the inward condition of us, not the outward condition of us. Jesus is actually going after our hearts once again, because we see through this, God is completely focused and he is teaching through who we are and our intentions. Because we can very easily fake stuff. We all can fake stuff. That's, that's not what's going on here. He's calling out, let's call out fakers for who are fakers. So he gets to this mountain. He starts teaching. The religious, religious, religious leaders are teaching a different way of life. But then at the same time, they're living however they want on the outside and the inside. So Jesus has this statement. If you want to keep calling this out for what's on the outside, God's going to call you out for what's on the inside. If you're going to call out what's on the outside, God's going to call you out for what's on the inside. Because what's inside of you right now, your motivations, what God is doing inside of you, and how your intentions for how you're making your choices in your life, it humbles you when you start to take that in context of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because for those who know salvation through Jesus Christ, you've been forgiven of so much. How in the world, when I see how much I've been forgiven of, look at you and say, you need to be better like me. I can't do it. All I can humbly say is, God's forgiven me of so much. Let me walk with you. Because that's the beauty and the power of the gospel. The gospel is so powerful. The transformation which happens inside of us, therefore transforms the outside of us. But we're always going to be messing up on the outside of us as God is transforming the inside of us. It's a tongue twister, right? Try writing that in a sermon sometime. But this is what's happening. 
God is doing amazing things inside of us, transforming us to be more like him. But we're all messing up. So I don't know if you know this or not, so I don't mean to be rude or, or, or call you out, but I'm going to. I'm going to be rude and call you out both at the same time. You are messed up like everybody else. You have issues like everybody else sitting here. You have struggles and pains. You've been through a lot. You've been forgiven of all of it when you call Jesus as your Savior. All of your sins when Christ is your Savior are forgiven and are about to be forgiven as soon as you get in your car and mess up. They're forgiven. That's the beauty of the gospel. So when we look at this verse, the concept of what is Jesus saying, when you really engage what God's forgiven you of, it brings you to your knees. And instead of me saying to you, hey, you know what? You need to stop doing that. I say, brother, let me walk with you through this. I love you and I'm no better than you, but you're sinning. See, it's not a say we can't say that there's a better because Jesus is always better. If you are living outside the ideas and concept of God, I say to you that there's better because Jesus came to show us what is better. So while we're thinking through this and I'm with my friend and he's struggling and I sit there, I'm like, judge not lest ye be judged. And I don't say anything to my friend. Is that the most loving thing possible? When I was a, I was a youth pastor for years, probably get that, figure that out by how animated I am all the time. Nick and I both were, so we started a church and this is what you get. So as a youth pastor for years, as a youth pastor, I had the joy of leading a group uh, and we're seeing that was very diverse. We had kids from all different walks of life. We had kids from very broken backgrounds. We had kids who were great straight A students. We had kids who were failing. We had kids, it was just a very diverse group of kids. And one of the favorite things about my youth group that I just still, it just makes my heart squishy today. My heart squishy today because of how broken lost kids felt like they were safe there. They felt like they could come, that they weren't being judged. They felt that they could come to a place and they could say, Jason, man, look, I totally screwed up. I'm like, bro, I got you. Let's walk with this. I think there's better than what you're choosing. It was a place that they felt safe. One of my favorite groups that started coming was this ragtag, rough group of skateboard kids. Now, I was a skater in the 80s, so right, like, yes, skate or die, right? So I went out there, I was old, I fell, they made fun of me. But it was fun. <laughs> and these kids were coming. And they were rough kids. They came from rough stories and rough backgrounds. And I was so glad that they were there. And we beforehand would go and talk to them and hang out with them and, you know, just talk life and stuff. They'd make fun of me, I'd go back inside. It was, so, I just loved that time, but they felt safe. And I had a parent approach me. A parent came up to me and said, Jason, I'm really concerned about these youth here. They're skateboarding right next to the road. I'm really, really concerned that one of them is going to slide out and you know, get hit by a car. Is there something we can do to protect them or keep them safe while they're skateboarding? I thought, oh, that's a great idea. You know, like I, I was a young dad at the time. What do I think about safety for kids, right? So I'm like, that's a, that's a fantastic idea. So I went out, hey guys, we're gonna do, we kind of coned off an area, stayed here so you're safe. The same time, another parent came up to me. The parent said, hey, I, I've got some concerns about these kids who are out there skateboarding. I said, I know, I know, the, the road. No, 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 I hear, I drive up and I hear when they're swearing all the time. I'm like, oh, yep. <laughs> you know, like, and I saw one of them smoking. I'm like, okay. And I don't want them here. This is a church. 
I don't, I don't want them around my kids. This is not, I don't want them at, at this church. They shouldn't be here. And I, I sat there um, and I had to think through my thoughts because I was afraid I was going to swear at the skateboard kids. And uh, I just asked a simple question. Where else should they go? Where else should they go? They're here. They're loved. They're in a community of faith. They're, they're rough, but they're learning and they feel safe. Where do you think these kids should go? No, you tell me, judge not lest ye be judged. The heart and the intention. This parent who came up to me automatically placed them into a box of who they are, what they've been through, yet they don't know their stories. I knew their stories. I had meals with them. And as I had meals and we had hung out and had ice cream, we talked, I said, hey man, I gotta just call you out. I think there's better. You're making some rough choices, homie. I think there's better than what you're doing, but you know I love you. Like, yeah, Jay, I know you love me. You know, I love you, man. Like, I got you, but let me just say to you, I think there's better. Judgment comes in that concept of I have an ideal that you don't match up to, therefore I'm greater than you, and I'm going to tell you what is right, and you are now pushed to the side. What Jesus is talking about is taking these kids and discipling them and loving them and showing them that Jesus is better. It broke my heart that that was the idea of a parent, that they should not be here. And I was so excited and I celebrated that those kids were there. But I want to go back into this verse and back into the passage again, because Jesus has more for us in this message. It's not just about this idea of intention of judging. It goes back in this passage. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will clear, see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This speck of sawdust is extremely interesting, especially at this time as we're renovating this building. I have had a lot of stuff in my eyes. There's been, I, I don't know if there's fiberglass, but it felt like it, sawdust, uh, drywall dust. Um, I think at one point there was like an entire Brillo pad in my eye. Like, I don't know. Like, stuff has been in my eye. And I go home and I take these eye wash. I'm blinking away. And those who've been working in the building or if you've ever done any work, you know what that feels like? That one little piece of sand, that grit in your eye. Something so small creates so much irritation that you'll do anything to get this thing to stop. And I unfortunately have been feeling like that every single day working in this building. So I swear, wash my eyes out. But I get it cleaned out. Then, the other day, I was out here working, and Nick came up to me, and he took a two-by-four, and he took it right across my face, across both eyes, and swung as hard as he could. <laughs> when I woke up in the hospital, <laughs> Nick never did that, I'm scared, but this irritation and this small thing, Jesus is saying, think about this, my friends. You are so quick to put all of what you believe is correct onto somebody else. But at the same time, you're sitting there getting hit in the face with a two by four. It makes such little sense. And the same idea would be a teacher walking into a class and teaching and having no idea what the subject is about. You walk into a class and say, okay, hey everybody, I'm here to teach everything about uh, science. I've never taken a science class in my life. I don't know how to spell science, but let's get going. <laughs> Jesus says something different. 
you know what's a better idea? How about you actually learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus or a disciple of God? Now, just at this time, know the ways of God, because when you know the ways of God, you now can actually walk with people and love them through the ways of God. But if you are sitting struggling with a sin and you're pointing fingers at other people, that is what the world is struggling with right now is that for a long time the church has abused and misused and said, I'm going to call out all your stuff, and at the same time you read on the news, yet another pastor fill-in-the-blank falls. Pastor so-and-so, church crumbles, because men and women in ministry are not living lives of holiness. They're just pointing fingers at other people just like the Pharisees. And what Jesus is saying is that the heart condition, as we grow, we do it together. And so what I'm calling or saying, brother, I think that there's better my attitude goes from you should change to we should change. You can be struggling with something and say, sister, brother, let me walk with you through this. I struggled in the past with this, or I just overcame this, or I'm working my way through this. You just got to be a step ahead of someone. But again, if you hear the context of what I'm saying, the context is the heart. If you love someone, you don't want them to keep sinning because sin is a cancer that is killing everybody. If we remove sin from the world, there's peace. And peace comes when Jesus returns. Until that time, our mission, our job is to make disciples and help people see and rid themselves of sin. In fact, that is the most loving thing we can do as a group of people who know Christ, is that we love well, by saying, brother, sister, stop sinning. It's killing you. Sin is destroying your life. And if I loved you and I sat back and didn't say, man, you got there's better, you gotta change. I'm not loving you well. Now, if I sit and say, here are the five things you need to do. First of all, no, 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 and I say that angry, yell at you, I take my Bible, I'm popping you on the top of the head, yelling at you, you need to stop this, or you need to stop that. You know what? I'm going to say this. First of all, if you've had that done to you, I'm sorry, because that's not what this verse says. That's not love. God is love, and love is walking with people. Secondly, if that's been done to you, please don't do it to others. That's not the way. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus is actually transforming and changing the concept of what is being said to love people and to love them through even the dark times. But at the same time, as you're talking, check your own heart. Because if you've got a two by four getting smacked in your own head, don't worry about the sawdust. And so today, that's where we leave it. This is where we go to. We leave it at this tension of hypocrisy. This tension of hypocrisy of us calling out everybody else but our, in our own lives we don't have control of it. That tension is making it confusing. And you're not going to have it nailed. Don't hear what Jesus is saying. We're going to keep messing up. But that's what the beauty of the body and the family is, is that we're in this together. We're walking together. We're learning more about Jesus together. And together, there's always better when we get closer to Jesus. We are not a loving community if we don't lovingly walk with you through the darkness to say, I believe that there's light. And so this is where I want us to pause today and reflect. What is in your life right now that's a two by four? 
What is the two by four in your life? What is the thing, the plank in your eye right now that you are struggling with? What is this thing that you've been hiding, hoping nobody finds out what it is? I've been doing this a long time. I know what sin does, sin hides. And so your sin is hidden deep down inside, hoping no one ever finds out about it. And when you come and talk to people, hard things, oh, things are good, really good. How's your marriage? Really good. How's work? Really good. You get that really good smile fake. That's not our church. It's okay to not be okay at Mosaic. That's why we are Mosaic. Broken, unique pieces brought together, made beautiful because the gospel of Jesus Christ. I already know you're broken. It's an expectation. So if you were to say, Jason, I'm struggling, I'd be like, welcome to Mosaic. Like, this is who we are. But we admit it so that we rid ourselves of it. So friends, we don't judge and say and point figures. We, we weep and we walk together because we are broken, brought together, and made beautiful because of the gospel. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to process. We're going to move into a time of communion and celebrate the fact the things that you're about to and repent of is already forgiven. When you know Christ is your Savior, it's already forgiven. Repentance is this. I now admit it and I turn away from it because God's way is better. Repenting is I'm not going to do this. I don't want this. Get this out of my life. And then what happens is you're stronger together in community. We're better together because the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.